Jason, what are we talking about today? We are going to discuss 1963's The Sadist. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Already scared. (laughs) And Michael, what are we going to be drinking today? (laughs) I think it's a very appropriate beer. It is from the brewery that is B-R-U-E-R-Y. And the beer is called Mischief. It's a dry hopped Belgian style ale. So cheers. Cheers, man. You get that Belgian mixed with the hop that from the dry hop they throw in right off the bat. It's zesty, fruity. For a beer, it's a it's a little bigger, so it's an eight point five percent ABV. But that fruitiness, it's bright, kind of crisp, pretty smooth. My first taste, it reminds me of a dry champagne or a dry white wine, where it's crisp. It's a bolder taste. The bottle looks almost like a champagne bottle. It's a pint size. They do they do a lot of theirs in the 750. They're fairly widely distributed. I know that I've seen them in the Midwest. So I mean, I think it's something it's something you should be able to find. I like especially with this movie because it's about a sadistic yes. criminal guy <laughs> who's up to some mischief to say the least. And so the S in mischief kind of keeps coming out into a little devil's tale. Yeah. I enjoy this beer. I've had this many, many, many times, and if I see it on tap somewhere, I'm always going to grab a... Not a bad beer to be sipping while we're talking about this. Not at all, but it it can get you into trouble. Oh, yeah. On a day like today, this thing, I mean, make sure you keep some food in you, keep hydrated, because you could, on a hot day, this thing can make a hot day go south very fast. This... Jason, (laughs) I do believe the sadist is your pick, Yes. Yes. What and makes it a B movie? So, Let's hear that first. So it was um, done by Fairway International Pictures, which was a small little production company. Really, it's Arch Hall Senior. They made around six movies in the '60s. You know, they ran basically from '61 to '65. Arch Hall Senior yeah. sounds familiar. <laughs> well, because the star of this <laughs> is Arch Hall Junior. <laughs> also, I do believe Arch Hall Senior might have been the target of. Mystery Science Theater on more than one occasion. Oh, yes. He, his movies, he Fairway... Has a, he has a name. <laughs> that is true, Michael. Fairway International made famous such movies as The Choppers, Ega, Wild Guitar, The Sadist, The Nasty Rabbit, and Deadwood 76. Anyway, as a B-movie, I think it was two to three week, week shot and maybe $33,000. And shot in black and white. And I chose this. Because I had a cinema pack of something called Weird Cinema. This was one of the movies. And somewhere I read where the director Joe Dante thinks that The Sadist is one of the most underrated B-movies ever. So I'm like, I need to put this on our list and watch it. Joe Dante says it. And it's based on the killing spree of Charles Starkweather. Who, between December 57 and January 58... Um, at 19 years of age, he murdered about 11 people. And his accomplice was this 14-year-old girlfriend named Carol Ann Fugate. Now, he was executed in 59. She was paroled in 76. And there's been other movies based on this 
Charles Starkweather that have had far more acclaim than The Sadist. One was The Badlands, of course, by Terrence Malick mm-hmm. in 73 with Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. And then Oliver Stone, when he made Natural Born Killers, the same thing. It's based on these two characters. Starkweather's tale has been told several times. I mean, it's a very compelling tale. It is. A young couple goes on a killing spree. That's America. <laughs> <laughs> the overall plot is three teachers driving to Los Angeles for a Dodgers game. Driving through Lancaster, the car they have car trouble, they stop at a salvage yard, and trouble ensues because it just so happens Charles Tibbs and Judy Bradshaw are there. Let's talk about the cinematography of this movie. That alone makes this movie worth watching. The cinematography is fantastic. It was the cinematographer was w- William Zygmunt, also went as Vilmos Zygmunt. This guy went on to have a huge career. He did The Deer Hunter. He won an Oscar for in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's a lot of cool shots, a lot of deep focus shots where, you know, the foreground and the background are both in focus. The use the use of the camera is very cool and to me elevates this. It's a compelling story. It's very cool. I have a few issues with it. Namely, the the antagonist, the acting choices that were made, keep pulling me out. But we'll get into that. But the cinematography is is just fantastic. Considering, especially, they're only shooting in one little locale. They're not moving around much. You're shooting the same spot over and over and over. So it's like you better be creative, or we'll get bored quick. I, I just have to stop because I had to look up the difference why it's called the sadist. We hear the term sadist. We hear the term psychopath. Um, I just want to read something, and this is based off of an article that I, I found online, and I'll link out to it. It says, Sadists seem to be especially tuned into what their victims are feeling. In fact, they experience vicariously and are aroused by it. Psychopaths, on the other hand, tend to be indifferent to the emotions of others. Charles Tibbs is clearly a sadist. He enjoys watching the fear in these people and causing fear in them. He he sure does. Um, <laughs> and, and, he, and he does it that makes us enjoy his acting, but for the wrong reasons, I think. <laughs> I, I wrote it. I'm going to try not to beat it into the ground, but his acting just pulled me out of the movie constantly. Let's dive into this movie and start discussing it. I want to start with that opening credit scene because that actually drew me in it has arch hall jr's eyes and he has kind of a deep set eyes a very pronounced forehead and it's just eyes on the screen with this dark background there's music it's loud it's a close-up the eyes darting around and it's this narration talking about sadism and violence but first the quote and it says i have been hurt by others and I will hurt them. I will make them suffer as I have suffered. Then it goes into uh, that voice telling us what the sadist is like. Yeah, exactly. A, a menace to society. <laughs> you do a good job doing that. The sadist, the biggest menace to today's society, does not care about anyone. <laughs> it's actually Arch Hall Senior. I was going to say the narration. Yes, you got it. Well done. The best thing his son does in the whole movie is at the beginning there, and then he stomps all over it with his, you know, I'm not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe voice. It's like... The first part of the movie 
we're introduced to these three teachers. There is Carl, who's kind of the older teacher. And it looks like he's playing a little matchmaker. Because the other teacher is Ed, and he teaches physical education. And then there's Doris, or Miss Ice Buskets, Miss Prim. And I thought she had an English accent. What did you... <laughs> you said that to me before we started. And I went, hold on. I thought it was a German accent. There's definitely an accent. And it's not anything in the, in the continental United States. <laughs> She's affecting something. <laughs> now I might have to go back and watch it because I'm listening to it and I'm going German. I don't know how you got English. She's trying to be very prim. Yes. And proper. And, and do, she stands we, out in this junkyard where she is dressed. I mean, it's black and white, but she's clearly dressed in all light colors. Hair pulled back and actually heels. It's a different time. Going to a Dodgers game. I These guys were wearing like suit shirts, yes. collared shirts. I thought that they were missionaries at yeah. first when yes. they pulled it. Those days are long gone. When people <laughs> wore suits and ties to a Dodgers Reds game, which is which is important because Carl wanted to see the Reds because yes. he's from Cincinnati. So you were talking about the prim and proper Doris when they go to find a car and Ed's going to get the fuel pump out of it and he goes, hey, I think I can get this one to work. She turns and she screams and he goes, what is it? And she goes, ah, it's a snake. And he goes, it's a snake skin. We see a snake skin. They shed those. Now that's foreshadowing because something is going to deal with snakes at the very end. <laughs> snakes are often up to mischief. Yes. <laughs> which, well, at least we, we believe they're up to mischief. Although so. the snake is ends up being the snake ends up being the savior. Positive. Yeah. So who knows what? Yeah. <laughs> let's just say snakes at the beginning, snakes at the end. And there are tells at this point that something is amiss. They don't see it, but through the camera work. We see that a telephone line is cut. Carl does find a place in where it looked like people were eating food, but there's no one there. And the pie was still warm. Yeah. No one's answering a call because their car had some car troubles. They pulled over to the junkyard. Ed opens the hood, barely does anything, goes, I identified th the problem. The fuel pump shot. This was a time when sort of the average man could identify the fuel pump and change it out. That's not the way things work anymore you know and, he, and he's looking around the junkyard and somebody they say you know can you fix it and he looks around and he goes yeah if they have the part and then he even finds like the wrong part but he's like i think i can get it to work <laughs> when your average american man was really good with his hands and could build and take apart engines and make things work that didn't work i mean nowadays it's like i open the hood i go that doesn't help <laughs> <laughs> the same thing i was <laughs> if there's clear if there's a fire yeah I go, that's not supposed to be there. But if somebody said, hey, go change out the fuel pump, I'd go, that's what I pay a mechanic for. Exactly. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'm okay. I'll admit it. Now we're going to introduce our villains. And that shot, how we're introduced them, is all you see, it's like first person. Mm -hmm. with a, I'm thinking of this old video game, Doom, a first person shooter, because you just see a gun walking out towards them and this is your introduction to charles tibbs played by arch hall jr and his cohort judy who's played by marilyn manning and i think she made a couple movies strictly for fairway international pictures and when we first actually get to see the characters it's interesting that the charles tibbs he is the only one who's in all dark clothes dark jeans he has a suntan he is even though he's blonde yeah he's exactly still... arch hall jr i read a couple of interviews with him and you can find we'll link out to them in the, sh in the show notes 
he's playing as of age. I think he's anywhere between 18 and 20 when he's shooting this. And like His dad had been a B-cowboy actor, gone to the military, came out of the military, started a couple business, and I think really still the acting bug kept in him. Archhold Sr. really decided, like, the only way I'm going to make this happen is I'm going to make my own movies. But at that point, he's nearing 50, so he's not going to be the star. So he wanted his son to be the star. That age, Archhall Jr., he's living in the valley. <laughs> but his character is, you know, we use these these symbols of Doris is all in white, even though it's black and white, light clothing as she is pure and innocent. And he is in these dark jeans, these dark shirts. It's a great shot of him and Judy. When we yeah. finally see him, him and Judy, I would have used yeah. that as the poster. Yeah. For the movie, because it's a great sort of lower angle shot. He's pointing a gun. She's on his arm. He looks menacing. Oh boy, there's trouble. But then he starts talking, and you get introduced <laughs> to the voice that he chose for this character, which I don't even know if I can do it because it says, "What do you want, Mister? Hey, Mister?" It's laughable. And he has a very odd shuffling gait. It's done on purpose. And it's just an odd movement. If you've ever been to the primate house at a zoo, a lot of his movements are completely like great apes. Like a, a gorilla you'll see sort of slap in their own face, like, uh, uh, signal with grunts. He's doing that. He's acting bestial. He's the monster. Yes. <laughs> we get it. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, he keeps upping the ante. Every time you're kind of like, oh, tension's building. He does something. He makes a goofy face. Or like he does like this big overbite thing. If I was there, I mean, maybe I wouldn't, but I, I would laugh. I would just start laughing and going, you're kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is your choice. Yes. <laughs> this is second or third movie he made. He wasn't a professionally trained actor. It's uh, Yeah, and it, his dad kind of pushed it in, into it. He's, he was probably like, I'd rather be off surfing. I Ch- think he was a musician. I think he, he, he yes, plays. Yes, like, Yeah. He actually plays music. So I think he's probably like, I want to play with my band. Yeah. Like, your dad, well, I want to go play music, a... chase girls. And, and his dad's like, no, you're going yeah, you're you're... to fulfill my dreams. Yeah. We have the first interaction where Charles Tibbs and Judy threatens them. And they're like, we're only school teachers. And it's like, how's that going to... Bad move. Yeah. Bad move. After he took Carl's wallet, and he's like, like, there's not much there. You know, we're just school teachers. We're just school teachers. And that's a terrible move with these people (laughs) because they don't like school teachers. And then Charles Tibbs violently cracks Carl in the skull with the butt of his gun. Doris is in hysterics. Is this like the first or the 50th time that Ed says... I'm not going to fix this car. <laughs> his, his one trump card. I mean, it's, it's like, hey, you know, you, you'd stop that or I won't fix this car. I'm going to kill them, mister. Yeah. Hey, mister, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> and, you know, fix that car. And Charles, that's part of the big plot. Charles and Judy, their own car broke down here. And they're trying to figure a way out. So they're fine. They're out by Ed fixing the car that he showed up in. Charles and Judy are going to take off in it. We're back at the scene where Carl has a gash, and he finally allows Doris to go and get water for him. And this is where there's also some sexual, either intentional or it just, you know, in our modern view of this, she's pumping water, and he's sitting there fiddling with his knife, 
And then he finally goes after her and he rips her dress, bangs her head into the dirt, and he takes her earrings off. And I want to point out in an interview, this is actually Arch Hall Jr.'s cousin, and he said he was really, really uncomfortable with these scenes since this is his... I can't imagine why. Yeah, his cousin. That scene, that was a jarring scene. It was uncomfortable to watch. And I will add, it was extremely uncomfortable. And then after that, they show Doris walking away. And she's dazed, and her stu- her dress is ripped. It gives a suggestion of somebody who was just sexually assaulted. This movie, for all I might make fun of Arch Hall Jr., this is a, kind of a sadistic movie, especially for that time. I feel like this is it's pretty violent. Yeah. He almost pistol whips Doris. Yes. Like he literally has a gun yeah. back, and he is going to crack her with a gun. When she gets back, Ed and Carl, they're saying. What did he do to you? And she's like, it's okay. Very much a feeling of like something more. They want us to feel something more than just smacking What we saw on the screen. Yeah. And I think one of the next awful scenes is when Carl's hurt. Doris is now taking care of him. But now Charles Tibbs, he is showing his sadism. He decides that he is going to... And, and there's this issue of him asking for sodas and <laughs> shaking the soda. soda. <laughs> I, never, I never did that with my no. Coca-Cola. I didn't know you put your thumb over the top and you shake it up. I don't know why he was doing that. But I like he and Judy will whisper to each other and start giggling. And Doris is the only one who seems to up. She goes, they're plotting something. They're going to do something awful because they're doing it and giggling. And yeah, we all see it. And, and I will say this is a terrible thing to say about somebody who's murdered in cold blood. But Carl shows himself to be just not what that era would consider a man. Charlie takes a Coca-Cola, has Carl get on his knees and basically says, you keep talking. As soon as I'm finished with my Coca-Cola, you'll be done talking, meaning I'm going to kill you. So he shakes it up. Again, not sure why. I've never seen people do that. And he drinks. And Carl just melts down into a blubbering mess, begging, turning to Judy. Oh, child, don't you have a family, a father who loves you? And I'm just thinking, man, these people probably did not come from good homes. You, You didn't want to bring up teachers, and you did. I don't think I'd bring up their parents because there's a reason they're doing this and there's a good chance it has to do with their parents. So he's bringing that up. By the way, Judy is a mute. I think she says one word the entire movie. And the actress, I think, does a fantastic job with pretty much no dialogue. So Carl's begging. Charlie keeps taking sips and going, You sure are talking different now, mister. He's like, no, you have different things to say. And it's just, I'm going, why do you sound like a Muppet? And then Carl just turns to everybody. He appeals to Charlie. He appeals to Judy. Then he starts begging Ed. And meanwhile, Charlie's just down in this Coke. And he's like, you're running out of time, mister. And Ed, Doris is telling Ed to do something. I don't know what she expects him to do. And Ed does make a move. And then Charlie says, oh, maybe Mr. Big Man wants to take your place. <laughs> And Ed is like, oh, no, <laughs> right there. He's kind of like, he no, backs up. I, I don't. No, no, no. And finally, he drinks the rest of his Coke. And I will say this. Charlie's a man of his word. Carl's on his knees. He shoots him in the face and yeah. kills him. I thought he was just trying to strike fear in them. And he shoots him execution style. And I was absolute just brutal. Not, exact, not prepared for that. Mm-mm. Before he shoots Carl, he was taking some pot shots, showing that he, could, he, he will shoot his gun. And it was interesting, once again, in this one of the interviews I read, they could not make that special effect work. Arch Hall Sr., who had been in 
westerns and had been a cowboy in the Dakotas, he said, I, 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 could, I could shoot right over their head. And so they would make small little X's and he, they allowed live ammunition on the set and people to shoot. According to some the, the interviews I read with Arch Hall. It's a different like time. A different time. So after he kills Carl, another animalistic thing, he kind of pokes around his body, yeah. giggling, and takes his pocket watch. Yeah. But it's more of this animalistic acting that he does. And I think shortly after that, where he's sitting there, and Judy, I think that's when Judy brings him a pie, and he kind of sm- yeah. slaps his own cheek yeah. like, I want to kiss. Yeah. And she gives him a kiss, and then he, and he does. He, j- he doesn't communicate with words. Yeah. He just goes, uh, uh. Again, you pointed out, it's not like he was a huge actor that could do, so maybe I might be piling on, but what the hell? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like 60 years ago now, and, exactly. and if Archaw can't take it. I think he's probably fine. This was a very short career for him. He did not pursue acting after this, mm-hmm. you know. He went, he went on to be a pilot. Yeah. But one, let's talk about Doris and her psychic visions of the future. One, she says, I'll run before dying on my knees, in reference, of course, to Carl. And then she she does run. She doesn't die but on her knees. I will say something that she's pretty much you know calling out Carl. Yeah. When she was calling Ed a coward before, like I mean, really, you are just sort of saying like I'm I'm gonna run before I die on my knees. Like Carl, really, that's pretty rude. No, like, I know. <laughs> and then she's like, a car will pull in, and they won't know, and he'll kill them too. And indeed, some cops pull in, and he kills them. And they weren't very good cops. All right. Ed's trying to count the bullets. Trying to figure out how many bullets Char- Charles has left. And Charles is doing a little shooting. And he goes, what, mister, you count? And you know, how many do I have one? Is there one? Or is there two? Or are there none? And Ed has the count right. And he starts to make a move. And Doris grabs him and holds him back. And then Charles pulls the trigger. And the gun's empty. That would have been the end of it. Because I am confident... Just in a one-on-one fighting match, my money's on Ed. And he gives, he turns and looks at Doris. And it's just this moment where he just, and you can see the exchange to me. He's going, you called me a coward for not getting shot for Carl. You just doomed us. You may have just killed us because you're being a coward. You stopped me. <laughs> and then, of course, Charles switches out the clips quick and he's like, hee <laughs> <laughs> And you're right, because he, he switches up the clips, and I think he's going to kill both of them right then. But then there's the rumbling of the motorcycles. Ponch and, and John. So tell me about what happens when they show up. Well, this is, this is one time where Charles looks really flustered. Like, he looks freaked out. He hears it, the rumbling of the cop motorcycles, throws Ed into a trunk, gives Judy a knife, and says, hey, if Doris does anything, kill her. Then he walks back, and the cops are pulling in. They're like, hey, son, how are you? Haven't seen you around. And he says he's visiting his uncle. And the cops are extremely familiar with Milt, who's supposed to be the uncle. Because they think Milt talks so much that they would have been told. Milt, the owner of the salvage yard. Yes, I'm sorry. Milt, we never actually meet. Milt is the owner of the salvage yard. And the cops feel like if there's family visiting, Milt would have told them. I don't know why. I mean, it's a really close-knit community. And then at one point, one of the cops looks down and goes, Huh. Someone lost a 45 clip. And meanwhile, Charlie's just, he's doing a pretty good, it's probably his best acting. He's just acting like an aw shucks kind of kid. We cut to Doris and Judy and Doris decides, I'm going to fight, fight for my life. And then she screams 
And the cops, they cut back to the cops and the cops go, oh, there's a scream. And Charles pulls out a gun, shoots one of the cops. The other cop is just re- goes, ah, and like even like backs off. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Shoots the other cop twice. <laughs> and then we go back and Judy's got the drop on Doris. The cops have been killed. Poor copping. There was some poor copping going on because the second cop had so much reaction time. I mean, like, a lot of reaction time to pull a gun to at least try to save himself, if not his partner. I want to add, I would think there would have been a bulletin, like a description of the, these ne'er-do-wells. Perhaps an APB. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps. <laughs> and they would have known. And they're so nonchalant. Like, nothing adds up to them when they pull up. They're like, oh, well, that seems off. Well, that yeah. seems off. And they're just like, let everything go by. <laughs> <laughs> Old Milt would have told us yeah. if he had family missing. Yeah. Hey, those guys talk all the time. They would have yeah. said that. But you're a stranger to yeah. us. Well, they'd run the, they'd run into Milt's son in the town, and they didn't say anybody he was didn't visiting. No family, and Milt's not here. Not a big deal to us. Doris is really manhandled in this movie. Like, yeah. She is roughed up a lot. And I appreciate the ending because I feel bad not only for the character what she has to go through and it's right that she survives because she's roughed up by both Charles and Judy. Yeah, absolutely. She's beat up by both of them. Yeah, she takes more of a beating than Ed. I don't know if they also utilize all their special effect blood on Carl. They're like, holy crap, we have none left because those cops are shot and there's no blood. (laughs) We're all out of Carol's syrup and red food coloring. (laughs) It's a classic where they're they're on the ground I'm like, were they... Shot somewhere that we're not seeing. <laughs> we're getting close to the climax now. And now Charles is giving Ed and Doris ultimatum. He's like, fix the car. You basically have 15 minutes to live. Clock is ticking. This police report comes over and says, hey, you know, they're driving a 58 Ford Suzanne. Judy is 18 years of age. They killed someone in Needles at 1030 in the morning. Needles to where they are is about... 250 miles, about four hours of driving. So if they killed someone at 10.30, and it's, and it's one now o'clock. 1 o'clock, yeah. I'm assuming that they the teachers pulled into a lot around noon. So when did he arrive? He was driving so fast from Needles that he got there in 30 minutes. Most people watch this, they don't know the geography of Southern California. I'm like, that doesn't make any you took sense a, you on took a map. A, you like took I a was deep dive. Yeah. Because, because he, so they arrived at the junkyard, yeah. got Milt and his wife to trust them enough to, to invite make... them to sit down for a fine meal. Do but you want to talk about Ed's, I, Ed's plan? It, it, it hurts my brain. He comes up with this convoluted plan about tricking Charlie into getting run over. I'm going to have you try to start the car. I'm going to try to lure him around. I don't know how he's going to lure him around. Show a little skin? Yeah. Like, he's going to get Doris. He's going to say, hey, when I tell you to get in the car, when I give you a signal. But Charlie's on to it. So when he says, hey, Doris, you start the car. I think we killed it. Oh, we did kill it. That ball's done. That was a a pint we split between the two of us. You know? Not bad. Not even. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. So... Charlie, for as goofy as he is, he's got a couple moments. And this is one of them. When Ed tells Doris, start the car, no, Charlie's going to start the car. So he gets in. Another nice little shot. He's kind of in the driver's seat, pointing the gun. Ed would look, and he'd point the gun at him. And Ed 
is like trying to figure out what to do next. So he unplugs the fuel pump. Charlie's trying to start. He's like, hey, I can't start. Fix it if you keep trying to start it. So he like gets out. He's doing something. He's covering the carburetor. And then Charlie's like, hey, mister, I ain't dumb. I've seen a guy prime a carburetor. You put some gas in there. You prime that carburetor, <laughs> mister. You prime that carburetor. At which point... Ed gets the, the gas. Why doesn't anybody have matches or a lighter or anything? That is one, like, this was a non-smoking movie before non-smoking movies were a thing. That's very true. Nobody I... was smoking. Ed sort of breaks down when it comes to crunch time. He's not a clutch player because he had some moments. He could have zapped Charlie, done things. Ed realizes and Doris realizes, like, the plan's not working. It's not going to work and, and they're not going to live. There's no way. You, you could fix the car, say, there you go. You're going to get killed before they... He squirts the gas in Charles to his face. And, what and it goes he, back with the first person again. What does Ed do with well, that time he bought? Tied his shoes? He didn't do anything. <laughs> like, that was the perfect time. You squirt gas in a guy's face, and then you run around the car, and you tackle him and beat him up, because he's just like... And that's when, oh, boy, Arch Hall finds a scream that just hurts my <laughs> hurts my brain. It's this... <laughs> scream that is just horrible I can't believe a human made it but Ed for whatever reason he doesn't attack Charlie no and he doesn't run he just sort of waits he just kind of goes well that's pretty pretty smart on my part Myers his work meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile like you said we get the first person of Arch Hall he can't see everything's blurry and he's just yelling yelling and he sees a figure coming for him and he shoots Judy by accident and the only thing that that actress utters the whole time is she yells Charlie and then he starts yelling Judy in that horrible way it's just again it hurts my brain to think about Ed just decides I'm going to run off in a junkyard Ed's, Ed's pretty much a failure as, he is. As, as a hero. He is just a he's bad given hero. Several, like you said, he's given several points to rise to the occasion, and he squanders them away. And I think at this point, both Ed and Doris are going to survive. Judy's down for the count. 100%. They run in opposite directions, so he has to choose one person to go after. And he's going after Ed. In most movies, this is where Ed would do something and be the hero. Because you want that final heroic act, and you actually don't really get it in this movie. He I does. Mean, he so, does a heroic act. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> it's, it's sort of. A, it's sort of. A, I'm going to say a dumb animal thing. It's too late at that point. <laughs> he and Charlie do a little cat and mouse, and Doris, for some reason, decides to hang around. Ed screws up every opportunity he has to take Charlie out. And so Charlie goes screaming into the junkyard, I'm going to find you, I'm going to find you. Cut to Doris, who's where? Doris has taken refuge in the barn, and she comes across Milt and his wife. So you finally see the owners of the junkyard, and they're dead. And also one scene where you actually get to see blood again. And it looks like Charles is headed in that direction. She screams, so he's definitely She just knows she's going to do. I I hate it, but she sees it, and you're just thinking, keep quiet, keep moving, keep quiet, keep moving. (laughs) Immediately alerts Charlie. That's the direction to go. Ed's most heroic act. Run, Doris, run! With Ed finding a good little spot to do an ambush, he's got a... He's got like a pipe or something, and he's hiding behind a car, and he can kind of see with a mirror 
He can see Charlie approaching. However, what he doesn't see is Charlie is walking and there's a mirror that gives him a peek yeah. and he goes, Ed's on the other side of this car. It was a good shot. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's fantastic. It's yeah. a great little shot. But Ed suddenly realizes he knows where I am. So he runs. They're, they're <laughs> running through these buildings and stuff and Ed just keeps bopping around. And yes, there's a dead end. It's the only de- one. <laughs> and it's really kind of sad because he gets to the end of it and he tries to leap up yeah. on the roof yeah. and he fails a couple times. And, and Charlie's almost standing there laughing at yeah. him. And then Ed just goes, What do I have left to do? This but- is my moment. I'm gonna. I'm just gotta go bum rush him. He almost gets it, and that is another moment when you see a little fear on Charlie's face because he shoots and Ed keeps coming, and then he runs out of bullets, and he's like, realize, uh, and Ed drops dead, and he's. And, but you see on Charlie's face, he went, I don't have anything but this gun. Like if this guy had got his hands on me, he's gonna win. And then he reloads and he shoots. And oh. four, I mean, that was a really nasty scene <laughs> yes. because he just decides, you know, he's dead. I'm just going to shoot him four more times. Pretty gratuitous violence, yeah. even Agreed. though, you know, it doesn't have the gore we have these days. And I think it's because it's like, you made me scared. Like, I thought for a second you were going to get your hands on me. So I'm going to dominate you even more. But then he goes, I've got other business. I'm going to go take the car. Which is now running. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, maybe that's what Ed was doing. When Charlie got blinded by the gas, Ed real quick finished up and installing the fuel pump. I was thinking the same thing. Like, the car now works. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, Ed's like, I'm going to fix this quick. So when I take him out, Ju- Doris and I can make an escape. So he just tears off, goes in the right direction, fortunately. Doris, what a trooper. She's running barefoot. I saw that too. Desert. I know. And I'm just, my feet hurt. I just went, oh my goodness gracious. Not to mention the whole place is covered with snakes, according to Ed. Somehow he finds her. He's yelling. He's coming after her. She comes upon that little homestead. And at first you think maybe, oh, this could be good. You know, it's not going to be. That's a great little hide and seek they do, though. It's yeah. well shot. There's it good tension building. He's chasing her through that scene and he's about to grab her and he falls into a pit. A pit of what? A pit of snakes. <laughs> Perhaps even a pit of vipers. Yes. <laughs> they always say, you know, a pit of vipers. She fortunately doesn't take the same path. There's there, snakes. There's a bunch of snakes. The snakes, he told this, and then once again, this is an interview. They were really live snakes, but someone had sewn their mouth shut. So when you see them going after him, he was really with those snakes. It's just, I mean, that could be embellishment. But like someone would actually sew a... I don't think you would ever do that anymore. No, no. <laughs> no, because I know, you know, they'll take the... the they said they had the, a snake wrangler. Yeah. Out. You know, they'll do that. But they the, didn't do that. He said there was a snake wrangler. Sewed. They just sewed their mouth shut. So when they're, you know, striking him, it's their mouth is shut. Well, he does some great screaming. Oh, that's He's in the pitiful. pit and it's just bad and he can't climb out. And the snakes just go, I, I guess we keep biting <laughs> this guy, don't we? And Doris... She finds the car, and it's a very poignant moment because the Dodgers and the Reds game is on. The game they're supposed to be at, and it's just like this, here's this idyllic reality that we were supposed to be living, and here I am out in the middle of desert, you know, beaten, battered. But she survived. She survived. This little moment kind of brought it all back. We were on our way to this game, and this 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 is what reality could be. It's a good movie. I do poke fun at Arch Hall Jr. This is a cool little 
thriller. It comes in, I think, under an hour and a half. It yeah. doesn't waste a lot of time. It's got a nice little pace. Cinematography is fantastic. I, I don't know. I, I really, I'm glad you turned me on to this movie because I, I did I did enjoy it. So did I. I. I thought it was a good thriller for what they did and what they had. I thought they really utilized everything to the max. I was caught off guard for a movie that was made in the early 60s about the violence it's nothing compared now to nowadays, but still, I found it to be ugly and nasty. They did a good job because that made me uncomfortable. Him and Judy made me uncomfortable. Yeah. And yet, yeah, Arch Hall Jr. And I'm gonna give him a lot of like, you know, hey man, <laughs> his dad wanted to be an actor. He was young. It wasn't his. Yeah. It wasn't his bag, he baby. Of, he wasn't. He was kind of pushed into it. I mean, they got into some mischief. Yes. And we got into some mischief with the. With the mischief from the brewery, I it was highly good. recommend it. Oh yeah! Again, this is something I've seen pretty widely distributed. It's something you should find. Um, I know they do have it in cans. And do they have a, a brewery local or somewhere? In yes, the, there's a brewery. I believe it's down in Orange County. Orange County, Placentia, California. Okay, not too far from where I grew up and everything like that. I'm yeah. familiar with that area. So they they do some fan, they do some really good work. And like I said, it's something you should be able to find. You can get it in a 750. I've seen it in cans. We split a pint, and I'm It's a 750, glad. so okay. it's like no more than a pint, you know? It's like you can take one of these down if you just want to. If you're watching the sadist, <laughs> and you want to just slowly sip on one of these, I've been there, I think. <laughs> Do you want to at least talk about, like, we, we've joked about while we're watching this, Arch Hall Jr.'s. There's a moment. It's at the 50, I think I checked, and I believe it's right at the 56-minute mark. Right after Charlie kills the cops, he goes back to the other three. Doris had screamed. Judy and her fighting. Judy slaps Doris, and they cut to Arch Hall Jr. and he makes one of the goofiest faces. This like, oh, these girls are slapping each other. They're fighting. And then Ed makes a move, and he doubles up and just turns to Ed and makes a really goofy face. <laughs> there are these two brilliant reaction faces. I know they didn't want me to laugh, but the first time I saw it, I couldn't help but laugh out loud, and then I kept rewinding it. It's right at about the 56-minute mark. It's hilarious. Overall, I thought it was a tense movie. There is some points, and it's just because Arch Hall Jr., and maybe some of the directions He's not in the an story, actor. No, that were funny. I, I thought, you know, he, hey, he did his best, and I thought his character be menacing. His movements caught me off guard every once in a while, that gait, but when... They turn on the radio and it's it's not Some what I would sort say of bluegrass. Yeah, it's like bluegrass, almost what I think of as square dance music. Yeah, and Judy starts dancing in front of him, and he's th- oh. that laughing is really <laughs> odd. That's the thing. It, every time it would it would build to this tension, he'd do something that would pull me right out of it. It just constantly pulled me out. And that, it was that was it was tough because I went I wanted to like it and I just tried to not be too brutal but I go oh come on you're gonna do that now I mean for goodness sake I've seen pieces of other Fairway International Pictures productions looking at the list I'm gonna say hey it's probably I like not seeing all of them but it's probably the best one out of all of them I mean we may be watching more in the future yeah. you, you never know this. this I had actually the Nasty Rabbit on my list, not realizing it, it was actually done to Arch Hall um, Sr. 
very international production. Stuff like, <laughs> stuff like that seems to be turning up a lot for us. <laughs> Any other final thoughts, Michael? I would recommend this movie. Absolutely. Even even though I did poke a lot of fun at our child junior, I I would. This it's it's a tense little movie, especially if you when you think about it being based on an actual case. And Badlands, which in many circles is considered a classic, this came before it. It's it's worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is Beer and Bit Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. I have been hurt by others. And I will hurt them. I will make them suffer like I have suffered.